Hello, listeners. I'm Logan McLean, and this is OJT, On-The-Job Training. It's a podcast where I, a rookie journalist, practice my craft by interviewing passionate people about their projects. Daisy Dalton is back today to share her many plants and animals. Daisy is an aspiring pharmacist, but she spends her downtime tending to her garden, reptiles, and 14 tarantulas. We talk about a chameleon named Steve, the difference between venom and poison, and the social benefits of an apartment full of spiders. And stick around after the interview for this week's progress report about my first three weeks as a working journalist. We've talked about what you do for work and um, what you want to do. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what Daisy does for fun, because you have quite a few hobbies. I, I suppose I do, yeah. We won't get to all of them. Uh, tell me a bit about what you do when you go home for the night. What do you do to unwind? Um, generally when I get home, uh, I mean, these days I've, a lot of my free time is consumed by, uh, calculus and chemistry. Um, those are... Doesn't get any more fun than that. Surely doesn't. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I generally try to do, uh, an hour or two of that a night. Um, and then, you know, I usually have about a half an hour to an hour of animal care, um, when I get home. So that's not every, every single day. Um, most of my animals are pretty low maintenance as far as animals go. Um, but given the amount of them, <laughs> I usually kind of split it up a little bit. So we usually do feeding day on uh, Wednesday for half of them and Friday for the other half. So those days are usually a bit busier. And how many pets do you have? Uh, in total, I have 16. And what are they? Uh, so I have a corn snake. Uh, his name is Snickerdoodle. Um, I have a chameleon whose name is Steve. Um, and then I have a variety of uh, 14 tarantulas. And do they all have names? Uh, most of them do. Uh, that being said, oftentimes, because there's so many of them, I refer to them by um, the species. Um so, you know, they all have little nicknames and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time I do refer to them uh, by species. Um, so when when did you first get, like, not just, when did you first get a tarantula and when did you realize that, you know, one's not going to be enough of these things? Um, so I did have one when I was, um, like, I had a roommate that had one. Um when I was younger. Um, and then I worked at the bug zoo, uh, for a summer, uh, three years ago. So three summers ago. Um, and the bug zoo, if you don't know, is, uh, exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's a little place in Victoria, uh, with hundreds of bugs. <laughs> um, so, you know, insects and arachnids and, and everything in between. Um, and so I was a tour guide there, so I would go around and lead tour groups and take out the animals and hold them and talk about them, um, pass some of them around to people. Um, and so, of course, going into that job, I already had just a passion, I guess, uh, for insects and arachnids. I've always thought they were very cool. Um, I've always liked spiders. I've They've always been some of my favorite animals. Uh, but working at the bug zoo certainly... Um, made me fall in love a little bit more. Uh, so there was tarantulas. There was a couple of them that I would take out uh, and pass around to people. 
and hold and stuff like that quite a lot. So that really ignited my love, I would say. Are they are they good for like holding and stuff? Are they kind of cuddly? Um, <laughs> for a spider? I wouldn't necessarily say cuddly. Um, they're very delicate, which a lot of people uh-huh. don't realize. Um, so when you are holding them, you have to be quite careful. You generally don't want to hold them very high up um, because if they you know, jump out of your hand or something. Um, they're, like I said, quite fragile, so they can actually kind of splatter uh, yeah. if, if from a bad fall. Um, and, you know, they, they all seem to have kind of their own personalities. Uh, some of them you'll pick up and they'll just sit there. Uh, some of them you'll pick up and they'll wander all over your arms and they'll crawl all around and explore. Um, so, yeah, they, they certainly have different personalities. They're not They're not all the same. Um, but yeah, and then it was about three years ago that I got, uh, my first tarantula, so the start of my, uh, current collection. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, about three years old. Well, no, about four years old now. So you still got the first one too? Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. And she'll probably live, uh, to be about 25. Jesus. Yeah. Pretty impressive. God. So another thing a lot of people don't realize about, uh, tarantulas not all species of course but uh many of them uh can live you know 20 to 30 years it's pretty crazy do they spin webs is that a thing um some of them uh so again there's so many different species of tarantulas um so i've got one that her entire enclosure is just a big you know mess of tunnels and and webbing and all kinds of stuff um but then some of them don't really do any webbing at all some of them will just do like webbing on the the floor um so they'll make like a mat and what that does is it helps them hunt uh so if you know a little cricket is walking across their web mat they can then feel the vibrations um and so that'll give them a sense of how big the prey is where the prey's at kind of thing um so it helps them hunt this is a really good audio conversation for me because I really appreciate uh, spiders and what they do. But man, if I had to watch one while we were talking about this, <laughs> I'm not nearly as afraid of them as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, there's there's not really much to be afraid of uh, is the funny no. thing. A lot of people are scared of spiders. A lot of people yeah, and I think it's a cultural thing because like little kids aren't really naturally afraid of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. except for maybe like heights and shit. But if somebody else points out to you that they're creepy, it kind of then you're like, oh, your I, I guess so. I I think a lot of it too is just that um, they do things like drop down from the ceiling right in front of your face. Yeah, that's frightening no matter what it looks like. And you know, I've been uh, even still, uh, I I have my moments of being surprised by spiders and. I wouldn't say being scared of them, but maybe being frightened that they surprised me kind of thing. It's a lot of legs and a lot of eyes. Well, yeah, and and that's actually uh, one of the main factors when it comes to fear of spiders. Um, So when I worked at the Bug Zoo, I actually did a a lecture for Halloween um, about arachnids and where that fear comes from. Um, So, you know, I looked at a couple of different things. One of the main things I looked at was... um, media and so you know films that over portray these crazy monstrous spiders that in reality are just little jelly beans um but yeah one of the one of the main things is you know when you look at a cat or a dog 
obviously they look very different from us, but you can still sense those similarities, right? There's four limbs, there's a, a nose and a mouth and, and mm-hmm. two eyes, two ears. You know, we can see that similarity. But then you give us a spider and, you know, it's got eight legs and then two pedipalps and 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 fangs and eight eyes and you know it's a very strange looking thing it's not what we're used to seeing and so we have a difficult time um just subconsciously sort of relating that back to us and as humans we really like things that we can relate to right um so that's where a lot of the uneasiness i think comes from is the inability to to understand and thus predict behavior um but yeah i mean as someone that's had tarantulas for you know years now by watching them and just kind of getting to know them a little bit it really does lessen the fear because you're able to predict what they're gonna do or how they're gonna act um and yeah that that generally helps quite a bit when it comes to being frightened of something it's true you don't hear insects referred to as man's best friend (laughs) you definitely don't no that that term for dogs certainly comes from the fact that they are a lot like people in some ways Mm -hmm. yeah exactly they're very relatable um and we can you know interact with them on a way that uh not only benefits us but it also benefits them why can't a tarantula be a fur baby? They're furry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, actually, they're they're much more fuzzy than uh, than a lot of you know puppies. Um, their stomachs, when you know when they're fully grown and stuff, their tummy is like velvet. Honest to God, like velvet. Can you hear me cringing? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing petting one, and it's just making my hair stand up. <laughs> um, what? What do other people think of your uh, your family? Uh, most people uh, have told me they don't want to come to my house, <laughs> uh, which is fine by me. I don't want anyone at my house. Yeah, um, that's a good excuse. Some of my favorite experiences happen at the pet store when I'm, you know, buying hundreds of crickets to, to feed my animals with. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll get the question, oh, what are you feeding? <laughs> and of course, when I say, well, 14 tarantulas, um, you know, they the, I've had ladies jump back a step and put up their arms as if to shield themselves from me and say, oh, ew, 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 what's wrong with you? And I say, well, you're at a pet store, lady. You asked, you know, I don't get all disgusted about your, your feline pissing all over the this box and shitting and just it, yeah. you know cats are gross don't get me wrong yeah, shit i like cats, is kind of gross but they're kind of gross sometimes you know toxioplasmosis and stuff Tox- yeah. yeah no tarantula poo is way easier to deal with <laughs> um what about what about like your landlord i know uh pet friendly means different things in different places um <laughs> uh, yeah so thankfully um my landlord and i are quite close um you know i i look after their son um, we spend time together. Um, they are aware of my pets. Uh, you know, I think they still think I have about two tarantulas. Um, it's more for their own, uh, peace of mind that I haven't yeah. told them about the other 12. Um, 
you know, not that it really makes much of a difference because they are all in fairly small little containers, you know, they don't need giant containers. Um, yeah, there's probably no like tarantula limitation clause in the tenant agreement. No, I mean, we do have um, like a, a no pets clause in um, in our, our lease agreement, um, but it's kind of like no pets without prior written per- permission or whatever. Um, And so I have, of course, talked to them when I got uh, my snake and when I got my chameleon. um, I talked to them about it. Um, They knew when I first moved in that I had one tarantula and, you know, they were fine with it. They were like, you know, it's mostly referring to like if you get a dog or something, we have to talk about that first. But they don't bark, do they? Well, yeah. And I mean, from a landlord perspective, um, a tarantula is not going to cause any possible damage. You know, the only damage it would maybe potentially cause is if it got out and, you know, maybe died in a corner or something and then scared someone. That's really the only hazard, you know. Tell me a little bit about the other animals now. You said you had a corn snake and a chameleon, was it? Yeah. Named Steven? Yes, Steve is my chameleon. Um, He is actually a female. Um, When we got him, he was still too young to really be able to determine the gender. Um, but the guy we got him from was 100% convinced that he was a male. So we just sort of went along with it. And, uh, then he got a little older and then he laid eggs. So we said, well, Steve is a girl, but we had already gotten so used to calling him Steve and using he, him pronouns that, uh, it just kind of stuck. And now it feels wrong to refer to him as she, it just, just feels wrong. I don't know. But is a chameleon? I kind of doubt they subscribe to our, you know, binary well, gender exactly, norms. Well, exactly. They literally change colors. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the corn snake? How big is a corn snake? And are they poisonous or squeezy? Um, okay. So uh, the first thing I'm going to do is explain the difference between poison and venom. Um, okay. So something poisonous must be uh, consumed in order for it to to do anything. Um, so something that is venomous, well, then it has to inject that venom into you. So anything that bites you like that, that's going to be venom. Um, anything that's poisonous is going to be, you know, well, if you eat that frog, you're going to be poisoned. going to say poison dart frog. Right. Um, so with that, uh, snake is not venomous, uh, or poisonous. <laughs> um, Have you tried eating it though? It might be poisonous. Well, that's a good point. I have not uh, eaten a corn snake, so I cannot, I suppose, say for sure. That sounds delicious. Uh, though I have been bitten by him, so I do know that he's not venomous. Okay. Um, and to explain the bite a little bit, um, he didn't bite me to attack me. Uh, he's actually quite friendly. Um, I hold him, you know, a couple times a week uh, to keep him socialized. But... Um, yeah, so when I go to feed him, <clears throat> he will smell prey. So smell, of course, with his tongue. So I guess he'll taste the prey smell in the air. It's kind of a weird situation. But uh, so if I were to say, hold on to his food with my hand and then set it down and put my hand into his tank, he would smell that food all over my hand and thus think that my hand was food. So I I did this kind of accidentally. Um, you know, I was holding his food. I had to switch to another hand to move something. Um, and it just happened pretty quickly. Um, 
and so he he bit onto my pinky um and you know he hung there for a minute until he sort of realized that it was not food uh and then he just let go and you know i i bled a little bit but it didn't really hurt all that much it was not a very big deal at all really how big is this uh, corn snake um he's about four feet long um he's about seven years old so he's he's nearly fully grown um he might get a tiny bit bigger as he sheds um but not by much and how long will they will they live um so they live about eight years uh in the wild but in captivity they can actually live uh up to about 20 23 years old and is that like a terrarium kind of situation big glass container Yes, yeah. So he's in a pretty large uh, terrarium and, you know, he's got his water dish. He's got a couple of hides. Um, I don't generally use a heat bulb on him, um, but that's just because I generally keep my house pretty warm. And he's got a little lamp, or uh, not lamp, sorry, mat um, under one of his hides that kind of warms it up for him. So he's got his cozy little area in there. Would, uh, Would he eat one of the tarantulas if he could get to it? Probably. Like a uh, yeah. Yeah, he probably would. Um, though, depending on which tarantula it was, uh, he might not succeed. Uh, I might be in for a fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my largest ones. Um, she is a salmon pink bird eater. Um, and she isn't even fully grown, uh, but she is definitely bigger than my hand. Um, she's She's quite large. Um, and they're actually uh, one of the largest species of tarantulas in the world. So is tarantula a category like dog or cat? Uh, yes. And yeah, underneath much, that, they're yeah. more specific? Um, so, you know, a tarantula is a spider, which is an arachnid, which is an invertebrate, etc. Um, right. But so within tarantulas, there, like I said, are hundreds and hundreds of different like subspecies um so like one of the really common ones that you'll see is like a mexican red knee um so the scientific name for that would be brachypelma hemori uh which is what my original one was her name is spood um and so that's what she is and then i have another uh hemori as well are any of them named shelob <laughs> yes, actually, yes. Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. yes. <laughs> Good. Is guess. it a big one? No. Well, yeah. She's not the biggest, but she's a bigger one. Yeah. Um. So it's not just plants. Or it, <laughs> I gave away my question. <laughs> it's not just animals <laughs> that you have. You also have plants. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um. I've got over fifty house plants, uh, in my little one bedroom apartment. <laughs> with a. Does your partner live with you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 50 houseplants. Uh, tell me a little bit about those. I'm not sure we can go into detail on all of them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it all started with one um, and it's uh, grown quite quickly. Um, there are a couple that I do uh, like cutting. I take cuttings of and propagate. Mm. Um, and so I do have a little side hustle um, selling those on Marketplace um, for a decent How's profit. That go? You know, I spend... Uh, three four dollars on a little tiny plant and then i grow it into a beautiful big plant and then i cut it all up and you know grow little babies of that plant sell off all the babies while the mother plant continues to grow um 
so yeah it's i mean i don't even really do it for the money uh <laughs> you don't make a ton of money with it but uh it's just Pays fun for soil you know you get to talk to other plant people about plants and uh yeah it's pretty great do you grow anything edible uh yeah oh yeah i um I mean, we just harvested uh, a couple weeks ago, so not really at the moment. Um, we've still got some hot peppers in our hothouse. Uh, but yeah, this summer we had, jeez, all kinds of stuff. We had three different types of squash. Uh, we had rainbow carrots. We had regular carrots. Uh, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, strawberries, um, five different varieties of tomatoes. Um, a couple different types of, well, like probably about six or seven different types of peppers. So some of those are hot peppers. Some of them are like bell peppers. Um, we had beets. I had a couple different types of lettuce, arugula. Yeah. So I had all kinds of, all kinds of stuff in the garden this year. Was it really hot in BC? It was terrible in PEI. Yeah, yeah, no, it was not the nicest year. Um, you know, we had like a couple of weeks, of course, of, of really nice weather, but for the most part, it was a pretty, pretty wet, well, not not wet, but just kind of gray sort of summer. Um, oh, really? Because it was the opposite here. We had only really? a couple of days of rain at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like record bad for like potato growers, but on, oh, the, there I was, imagine. Yeah. there was separate news stories throughout the <laughs> late fall or early fall about uh, watermelon, grapes, and garlic, because apparently those really thrive in the heat, but everything else just suffered all summer. Yeah. No, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, it was it was an interesting summer. Um, it was our first summer having um, the full like greenhouse set up, and we have like four big garden boxes in the backyard. Um, so it was our, we, we built those in the spring, so it was our first year um, doing them. So are they like wooden boxes with soil in them? Like raised yeah, up the um, they're they're pretty huge. Um, we just made them from like old pallets and some scrap wood. Um, my landlord is a construction fella, and so he knows a lot of other construction people, and um, we we're just able to get a lot of um, like scrap wood and stuff like that. Um, pallets have like kind of room between the boards too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So it'd so be pre-slotted uh, for what for drainage. Um, yeah, so we we put them uh, like they're they're quite large boxes, um, and we yeah so we filled them with soil. We got this really good um, organic um, garden mix. Uh, my landlord's acquired it. I'm not sure exactly where from. Um, That's the good really stuff, really good soil. Um, lots of like manure and stuff, so everything grew amazingly. Did you preserve anything? Um, not this year. I didn't have a ton of time. Um, I got into a pretty bad accident in uh, August. I had to have surgery and um, was kind of out of commission for uh, about two months. Uh, so I sort of missed out on <clears throat> a lot of the prime harvesting time and, and time to do all of that. Um, but that's definitely in the books for next year. Um, you mentioned that you have a greenhouse? Yes, yeah. So that's where we grew the uh, tomatoes, um, the peppers, and the cannabis. Did you guys build that yourself? Yep. How, how did you do it? Um, we just got an old frame um, that my landlord's found like at a dump or something. 
Um, so it was just kind of like the basic like metal frame. Uh, like a greenhouse just... frame or just a random frame? Um, I think it was like a shed frame or something. Okay. I'm not actually 100% sure where they got it. Um, but it was kind of like a basic tent sort of frame. Um, and then we kind of added to it with a bit of wood. Um stapled some polytarp over it and uh, built a couple of shelves for the inside polytarp is that like clear plastic stuff yeah that you would see at like construction sites and stuff and you said it works well it works amazingly yeah so i imagine the the climate in bc is pretty pretty amenable to that Mm -hmm. oh definitely yeah because like i said earlier it doesn't get um you know super cold and frosty and stuff so Mm. we definitely have a, a longer season to grow does that allow you to grow stuff that you wouldn't be able to here? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some stuff that's, you know, nearing tropical uh, that we can grow here. So right. that wasn't that bad. We didn't really do, it... do much of that this year. We just kind of did basic garden vegetables. Um, but, yeah, I think next year, now that I've kind of got everything situated and ready to go, uh, I'll probably do some some fun projects next year. You mentioned growing cannabis. Yeah. Uh, you also used to work at a dispensary before legalization. Can you tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, with uh, – it's interesting. It was kind of – it was before I ever worked in pharmacy, um, but it was almost like a precursor to pharma- pharmacy for me because, um, you know, there was a lot of engaging with patients um, and talking about, you know, what their particular issues are, what strains might help with that, uh, things like that. And so I really, really enjoyed that part of it. Um, you know, we would work with like cancer patients and, and things like that. Um, and it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but then of course, when legalization happened, um, they didn't get approved immediately for a license. Um, and, there was all kinds of red tape that they had to jump through in order to get approved um, to the point that they're actually still working on that. Um, so, you know, they had to like tear down a wall and add a fire exit and redo their windows and just a lot of weird little uh, things like that in order to get licensed. Um, and so, yeah, so they're still uh, not operating legally. How does it work in BC? Is it like, uh, private dispensaries? Um, so it was. Um, before legalization, there were all kinds of dispensaries. I mean, after it changed, though. Sorry, what? I mean, after it changed. Like you said, there are... Oh, yeah. So after legalization changed, um, basically, the government kind of opened their shop and um, they licensed a couple of places um one of the pharmacies that i used to work at is called forbes uh, and the guy that owns that is mike forbes and he's now gone into the cannabis business as well so he bought um or opened rather a couple of dispensaries um and of course he's a big shop businessman so he uh i'm sure had some ties with the greater community and stuff uh and the government basically so he was able to kind of get a license. So there are still some, um, you know, I would say probably about 10% the dispensaries that there were before legalization. Uh, and of course, they charge outrageous amounts and use a shitload of plastic. And it's not a great situation for anyone, really. You used to make edibles when you worked there, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
still do that at all? Sorry? Do you still do that at all? Um, yeah, a little bit um, on the side kind of thing. Uh, I don't have a ton of time for baking and stuff these days, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what we harvested from our crops are uh, things that were, you know, that uh, I have in the works uh, for maybe making some tinctures and stuff like that. That makes sense. Things like leftover stems and shake and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, just give me one second here. I just uh, realized what time it is, and I, um, I'm supposed to be meeting someone at like 3 o'clock, so I'm just going to let her know that I'm going to be a little late. How much longer do you think we're going to have? Just a few more minutes. I've just got oh, okay. a couple okay, more questions. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Yeah, we're definitely running a little long, but I, I tend to find if I can get several episodes out of a guest, there's not much reason not to. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, we'll and I've really been get... enjoying this, too. Like, I... Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to talk like this. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Actually, a lot of people have said that that uh, it's useful to be asked these kinds of questions because it's often the first time that you kind of outline your own thoughts in a you know coherent way. Exactly. Yeah, it's like all of these thoughts obviously have been swimming up in my head, but you know to be asked these questions and have to kind of settle on an answer and stuff has been a very interesting process. And that's all for Daisy's Zoo and Garden Exhibit. With so many interests, she'll be back soon. But now it's time for the Progress Report, the bi-weekly look behind the curtain at OJT. First of all, it's pretty cool that I had to slightly rebrand the podcast. I am no longer a journalism student. Now it's Rookie. How has the first few weeks been? Where do I even start? The first day was difficult. No point in denying it. I started on a Saturday alone in the newsroom. As the weekend reporter, I'm on duty at the office to do the website stuff and cover anything breaking, aka COVID. Or fires, or car crashes, or whatever. About a week before I started, I sustained a minor shoulder injury, an impingement. Actually, it was an aggravation of an injury from the summer. Point is, it hurt a lot on the first day, and it certainly reminded me that nothing comes easy. Still, Difficult as it was, the first day was also great. I did not crash the website, and COVID held off for a few days. Don't worry, it took up my whole second weekend. It was life as a real journalist, in a real newsroom, with all the real pressure and relief that brings. The pressure part is what I felt next. It wasn't there the first few days, but now I'm feeling the significance of what I'm doing. Journalism is important. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that. But they can't teach you in J-School what it's like to have the real responsibility that comes with being a reporter. I interviewed a Black Island elder recently at her home, where we looked at her binders full of Black Islander history. These pages were all newspaper clippings. She got all of her information at the archives and old newspapers. This is the case with history books I've been reading, too. So that's been hitting me. The work I do now could be the bricks from which future historians build their texts. Realistically, I know it's unlikely my writing will ever be that important, but the principle that it could be is what guides my ethics. I don't want this to sound like everything is deadly serious, though. The newsroom environment is a bustling, almost joyful place. The people here like each other, and they seem to like me. It doesn't hurt that I brought muffins before the first day. 
There's a real sense of solidarity between the reporters and editors, something not all papers have. And people here like to laugh. With the amount of, let's say, eccentricity among our social media commenters, it's a laugh-or-you-cry situation sometimes. But mostly, I think people here enjoy their work. I know I do. I'm still having moments of doubt and regret, but that's a Logan thing, not a Guardian thing. If I didn't feel that way, then I'd be worried. The day I stop caring too much about getting it right is the day I should retire. Daisy Dalton will be back for part four. You can follow her on Instagram at later.days, that's D-A-Z-E days. Daisy also suggested listeners check out the Satanic Temple's website and about page at thesatanictemple.com. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at OJT underscore podcast and on Twitter at OJT podcast. The Facebook page is OJT on the job training. You can follow me on Instagram at logan.mclean.75 and on Twitter at loganmclean94. And finally, listeners, please check out my website, ojtpod.ca, for my written stories and photography. The podcast is available there and on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and subscribe and leave a review. Everything helps when getting a podcast off the ground. And if you like this show and want more interesting guests, listener feedback is the best way to help me reach new people and make that happen. This has been OJT on the job training. I'm Logan McLean. Thank you for listening.